please do stay around at the end, uh, carry on those conversations. It'd be great to get to know uh, you better. Uh, my name's Dan. I'm part of the leadership team uh, here at the church. It's great to have you with us, especially if you're new, if you're visiting. I hope you've been made to feel welcome. Um, oh, oh, that's just woken some of you up. Um, I've been away the last uh, few days down in London doing some training with, with Regions Beyond, um, which is the group of churches that we're part of. And it is, you know, Phil mentioned the work that's going on in Malawi and, and some of the difficulties they have there. I've been hearing about some of the work across the world. And, and I just want to encourage us that God is moving. Uh, he's moving across the nations, even, and he's moving in the north of England as well. We've got, you'll know that we, we're part of this group of northern churches, we've got churches in, uh, there's, there's four churches, Durham, uh, Chesterley Street, which is just near Durham, uh, Selby and Hull, and then recently, over the last couple of months, we've had two new churches added to us, um, one in Waddington down in Lincolnshire, and then one up in Northumberland. Uh, so it's growing, it's growing what God is doing across uh, the, the north of England, and we're excited about that. And uh, yeah, do be encouraged, do be encouraged that God is moving. And for those who don't know me, um, I'm married to Rachel, who's was sat down there, I assume she's gone out to feed our um, eight-month-old son called Reuben. And, um, and we have a privilege of having a home that is big enough to be able to entertain people. If you've got a home that's big enough, that's a wonderful thing. And we have a growth group that meets in our house every week, and we, we love having people over. We love uh, having a house full, having lots of people around, lots of noise, lots of laughter. We love that. Um, but I don't know if you're anything like me, but there is a mad rush um, before people come round to get the house ready. Um, we're not trying to give up this pretense that our house is uh, amazing and immaculate, but we at least want you to know that you're going to sit down on the sofa not surrounded by dirty clothes or dirty nappies. So, you know, we, we're running around and you know what it's like. You know people coming around at a certain time and you're running around, getting ready, getting ready. The door is, you know, someone's knocking on the door as you're putting the hoover away. Um, maybe that's just me. Does no one else do that? Yeah? Um, we are preparing for arrivals. And, and today, um, I want us to look at a story which Jesus talks about preparing for an arrival. But this isn't an arrival of, of guests or visitors to a house, but it is the arrival of Jesus uh, when he comes again. And we're going to look at what it means for us to live with this, idea, this, this truth that Jesus is coming back. And we want to ask the question, are you going to be ready on that day when Christ returns? Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at, at parables. These are short stories that communicate truth. They're stories that Jesus told. And they're, they're not stories that actually happen, but they're, just, they're stories about everyday uh, topics. We've heard about uh, building. We've heard about farming. We've heard about inheritance, to name a few. And these are told to communicate a truth about the kingdom of God. Jesus, throughout his ministry, is teaching that the kingdom of God is coming. And part of his, uh, every, at the start of his stories, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then goes on to explain a story. And in telling these stories, Jesus is, is helping them understand about the kingdom of God. They are more than just a, a nice story. They're not good advice, but they're declaring good news. And the stories are told in, a, in simple terms, but Jesus makes it clear that for those who are hearing it, it's going to expose their hearts, and they're either going to choose to follow Jesus, or they're going to choose to reject him. 
And today, the story we read is confronting those who are listening about the return of Jesus and their eternal destination. And I'm going to be reading, if you've got your Bibles, uh, Matthew 25. If not, it's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to be reading Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both, of us, for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Shall we pray? Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you your word is alive and active, that it speaks truth as much today as it did when it was first written. That, Lord, through this book, we can come to know you. Not just to know about you, but to actually know you. And, Lord, we just pray as we look at this story, I pray you would speak through me, but I pray that our our hearts will be ready to receive your word, that as we uh, challenge what the kingdom looks like, we may, we may choose not to reject you, but to follow you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Who's been to a wedding before? Anyone? The rest of you? Come on, who's been to a wedding before? Thank you. Thank you. It's not, it's not that hard, just to lift your hand. Um, what great days of celebration weddings are. But you know what? My, my favorite part of a wedding is actually quite early on in the proceedings. Um, and it is the moment when the bride is walking down the aisle and the groom first turns to look at the bride. There is this, this moment these two people have been waiting for, this anticipation of, of the future together, this show of affection and of love. And it is this beautiful moment. I've occasionally sat on those drums and watch that moment happen from here and being like, try to keep it in. It's beautiful. It's just, it's my favorite part of the wedding. As you see, their eyes meet and that anticipation, the affection, as they see their future together and they start their new future. And in the Bible, marriage is talked about a gift from God. It's a good thing, but throughout scripture, we are pointed to this different marriage to come. Not between a man and a woman, but between Jesus and his church. Jesus is described throughout scripture as the bridegroom, and the church is described as the bride. And there is this moment to come when Christ returns and he marries his bride. And in Revelation 21, Sam's just going to pop this up on the screen uh, from one to three, if we've got it. No, we've not got it. Don't worry. Just listen to my words. I didn't even notice that the first ones came up. Sorry. Um, Revelation 21, 1 to 3, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. In this parable, Jesus is describing this future wedding. And he is asking the question to those who are listening, will you be present when this marriage happens? Will you be ready? And in the story, we see uh, 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom. Now, I need you to remember that this story is written into a very different time and a very different setting to Hull in 2019. At the time, it it was Jewish custom for the bridegroom and his friends to leave his home and make his way to the bride's house. There was no meeting at the church. There was no the bridegroom arriving early and waiting for his bride to turn up normally late. There was none of that. What would happen is he, he would go to meet his new wife. He would get his house ready. Once his house was ready, he would go get his bride and bring her back to the home. And it was custom that the bride would, to keep herself ready, she would keep a lamp, she would keep her veil, and she would keep the other things that she needed beside her bed. And they also had bridesmaids who were waiting. And they would have oil in their lamps. And it is these friends that we are first introduced to. We might call them bridesmaids, but in the story they're called ten virgins. And they are here to wait with the bride until the bridegroom arrives to marry his new wife. And then if he arrives, they would use their lamps to light the way to lead him to his bride. Once the bridegroom had then arrived, the marriage could take place. And then all who were present would join in with the celebrations. And Jesus is telling this story to remind them that there is a moment coming when he will return. There will be a great marriage that will take place with the church and we will live for eternity in his presence. But we will only be there if we have prepared ourselves and we are ready for his return. In the story, there's five virgins, they are prepared and they get to enjoy the wedding, but five are not and they do not get in. And I don't know about you, but I want to be present at that great wedding. If you know anything about scripture, you'll know it is a moment worth worth being there. You'll want to be there. If you don't know scripture, then let me just remind you, let me just tell you what it says in Revelation 21 about that future time. It's describing the church and Jesus and it says, they the church will be his that's Jesus's people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away he who was seated on the throne say I am make, say, said I am making everything new there's a moment to come no more death no more mourning no more crying no more pain what a moment to come And I want to spend the rest of our time looking at the difference between those who made it to the wedding and those who didn't. And I want to finish by asking the question whether you will be ready if Jesus returned today to enjoy that great wedding feast. So the story starts like this. If you want to flick back to the first lot of slides, that would be great if it's working. It says this, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. Do you see here, all ten have a job to do. 
The bridegroom is coming. They need to light your lamps. Be ready to lead him in. Five have oil in their lamps. They have been given a task to do and they are taking it seriously. The other five, however, fail to take their calling seriously. Having oil, uh, having a lamp with no oil is pointless. But it seemed that they were just content with having a lamp. They liked their position. They must have because they could have left at any time. But they stayed throughout the night, but they focused on this lamp. They paid no attention to its emptiness. Just before Jesus tells this parable, he's been confronting the Pharisees. Uh, The Pharisees were a group of uh, Jewish believers who were extremely religious. They separated themselves from society to study and teach the law. And they continually clashed with Jesus over his interpretation of scripture. Jesus came claiming that he was a son of God and they did not believe him and they continued to clash with him. And you can read about it. some of the issues that they had more in, in Matthew 23, but in verses 27 and 28, Jesus says to them, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus is saying that from the outside, everything about the way that they lived looked good. It sounded good, but inside, they are dead. It's the sort of view that Jesus describes as foolish in the parable. Having a lamp looks good, but it is pointless without oil. In the same way, the Pharisees trying to live a perfect life is pointless without a relationship with Jesus. The job of the bridesmaids was to light the way for the bridegroom when he arrived. To do that, they needed oil in their lamp. As believers, we have a bridegroom coming. Jesus is coming and we are called to light the way in advance of his return. John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, verse 3, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. That's what we're called to do, prepare the way for the Lord. How do we prepare? By being light. Matthew 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The wise bridesmaids had oil in their lamp. They were ready to light the way. The foolish bridesmaids didn't. The Pharisees that Jesus is confronting didn't have the oil in their lamp. They had a job to do, but they were not ready. They had failed to see that their religious duties were not enough. They knew all the right answers. They appeared to have it all together, but they did not have relationship with Jesus. It's not about appearances. It's not about saying the right things or being religious enough, but it is about realizing that you need a savior, that you're never going to be good enough to earn a place at the great wedding feast, but Jesus comes and provides all that you need to guarantee you a place at that wedding. You know, I have friends, you might have them too, who say they they don't need Jesus because if there is a God and there is eternity, then surely God would see that they're genuinely a good person. You know, they're not always perfect, but they've done more good than bad. Maybe that's the way you think today. 
Others think, well, if there is a God, then surely he would forgive me anyway. So I can just live how I want, and then at the end of my life, I'll say sorry, and it'll all be okay. Maybe that's how you think today. And Jesus makes it clear that only five make it, and it is the ones who were prepared and were ready. And so we first see that the five wise bridesmaids were prepared. And the second thing we see is that it's not actually a difference between them, but it's it's a similarity. Because it says this in verse 5, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The arrival of the bridegroom was unknown. Jesus, at the end of this parable, he says that we had to keep watch because we do not know the day or the hour of his return. And this has caused people to speculate about his return. I had a couple of self-professed bishops turn up at Jubilee last year, confidently telling me that the world was going to end last September. Needless to say, I've not seen them since. Um, But if you just search on the internet, you will find people predicting the exact day, the exact time when Christ will return. But this parable makes it clear that we don't know when Jesus will return. So we don't need to bother ourselves with speculation. The bridesmaids were supposed to be watching for the bridegroom, but they all fall asleep. They don't know when the bridegroom is coming, but Jesus here, he doesn't say that they were foolish to fall asleep. All ten fall asleep, both the wise and the foolish. In this parable, the the duty was to honor the bridegroom, to provide this great welcome, and to bring him into the celebration to this marriage with his wife. So for them, it didn't matter if they fell asleep, provided that they were ready when the groom arrived, that they could wake up and get on with their job with everything they need already set. This parable is not teaching that we should stay awake and not sleep. I'm really glad about that because I like my sleep. No, the wise bridesmaids still fell asleep, but what this parable signifies is this this normal, ordinary, day-in, day-out life, carrying out the duties that you have been given, serving God faithfully in this moment. And that means that we can work hard when we need to. We can also rest and sleep. This text is about living intentional lives in serving Jesus, and that is how we prepare for his return. John Piper is a pastor and an author, and he writes about this future, and he says, what do I want to be found doing when Jesus returns? Do I want to be staring into the sky saying, deliver me? No, I want to be at the bedside loving a sick person. I want to be in the city working for the poor. I want to be in a pulpit, God willing, preaching a sermon. I don't want to be staring into the sky like that is some godly thing to do. If Jesus was to return today, would he find us being faithful to our calling? Would he find us ready and living lives that honor him? And as the bridegroom is delayed, we are reminded that there is going to be a delay between Christ's ascension that we read about in scripture and his second coming. 2,000 years have passed since Jesus walked on this earth and we are still waiting for his return. We don't know when this will be, but we can be confident that it will happen. Peter speaks about this wait in 2 Peter chapter 3, and he says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Peter reminds us that there will be people who will come and mock us in those days. But then he reminds us of our hope in verses 8 and 9 of the same chapter. 
But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So as we wait, we do not lose hope. You know, when you turn on the news and you see the awful things that happen around the world, when you see the awful things that have happened in New Zealand this week, we don't lose hope. When your body aches and illness sets in, when relationships break down and when people hurt you, remember that Christ is coming. He will complete all he started. There will be that day. No more mourning, no more death, no more sickness, no more illness. Verse six then says, at midnight a cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom, come and come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, but for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. The wise bridesmaids were ready for the return of the bridegroom. The foolish ones were not. If Christ returned today, will you be like the wise bridesmaids? Is your light burning bright for Christ? You know, for years I thought I had relationship with God. I went to church and I did all the right things. But for the rest of the week, I lived as if at best Christ made no difference. If worse, at worst, that he didn't exist at all. I lived in this constant dread that my church friends, who I really liked, but I lived in a constant dread that my church friends and my non-church friends would somehow meet. Because I knew I was living two very, very different lives. God was something I did on Sundays. Sometimes in an evening when I remembered to pray or I didn't fall asleep. Sometimes when I was in desperate need, I would turn to God. But for the rest of the time, I just acted as if he didn't really exist. And he definitely was not important to me. I had my lamp. I had this lamp that I could make look really impressive. I'd been around church for a long, long time. I knew the Bible stories. I could pray really well. I could make it sound really good. I could demonstrate my knowledge of scripture. On the outside, quite impressive. On the inside, there was no oil. It took a number of encounters with God to realize that my faith was about religion, not relationship. That if I did the right things, I felt really good and close to God. But if it was inconvenient or it was hard work, I would push God away. You know what? Through those moments, I found this loving, caring father who demonstrates such love and such grace to me, and he still does today. I found that it wasn't about what I do, but it's about what Christ has done. It's not about my perfection, but it's about Christ's perfection. And I had a choice to make. Was I willing to follow Jesus with my all? The wise bridesmaids had chosen that being with Jesus was more important than anything else. The foolish bridesmaids had other priorities. And when Jesus arrived, they were not ready. Are you ready for the return of Jesus? If Jesus was to walk into this room right now, what area of your life would you try and hide from him? Revelation 3, 15 to 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Are we people who are hot, on fire for Jesus? Or is our lamp, are our lamps empty today? Is Jesus just an add-on to your life, or is he the center? Is church something that you just do, or is church something that you are? Is prayer vital, as vital as breathing, or is it something that you do when you have time? Do you follow Jesus with your all, or just when it suits you? Verse 10, but while they were on the way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Those who were ready with their oil and their lamps, they were greeted by the, the bridegroom, and they went in to enjoy this wedding banquet. Do you feel ready for that wedding? Are you ready to join in with the rest of the church globally throughout history in this wonderful, eternal marriage to Jesus? Naturally, my response is, I am not ready. You see, none of us should naturally feel ready because the Bible makes it clear, as John made it clear this morning with that contribution, that none of us deserve to be with Jesus. None of us deserve to experience such um, an experience as this marriage. You know, we've sung today how wonderful Jesus is. He is so holy, so pure, so perfect, that in comparison, we are so wretched. The only way that we can enter into this wedding is if the one who was perfect has also made us perfect. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, if you have chosen to repent of your disobedience, your wrongdoing, if you have chosen to follow him, then you have been washed clean of your sin. That is how God sees you. So when God sees you, he doesn't see the mess you have made of your life. He sees you through Christ's perfection. It was Jesus Christ who made himself nothing. He took our wrongdoing, he took our punishment on himself and he went to the cross so that we could be made new so that we could be acceptable in the sight of God, so that we could be at that wedding, joined with Christ for eternity. Everybody must be made new to enjoy the wedding to come. You must be reconciled to God. You must be made like God or you will not be ready. Or as the parable puts it, you must have a, light, like a lamp which is filled and burning brightly. And the five bridesmaids did and they entered in. But the five foolish bridesmaids did not. And when they arrived, it says this. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. You know, notice that he doesn't say that they weren't prepared. He doesn't open the door and say, sorry, you weren't prepared. He opens the door and says, sorry, I don't know you. Too often we can make our relationship with God about doing the right things. But this parable makes it clear it is not about what you do, but it's about who you know. It's about personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus here today, when your life ends, your eternal destination will not be decided by how well you've lived. But it will rest solely on your relationship with Jesus. In this parable, both the wise and the foolish acted the same. They went to meet the bridegroom. They went on the same road at the same pace. They went to sleep at the same time. They awoke at the same time. Yet five foolish bridesmaids stayed outside. For people here today, you need to hear. Saying you're a Christian is not enough. It's not going to be enough on that day. 
10, the 10 of them were all together. They all looked the same initially, yet only half entered. Jesus says in Matthew 7, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. We're not saved by works. Nothing we can do can make God love us any more or any less. But our actions demonstrate the transformation that God has done in our lives. You see, when we realize the price that Jesus paid on the cross, then we will live our lives to honor him. We are being transformed into the likeness of Christ, but it is a process. We live in this light of grace that Jesus loves us and he has died for us. We don't expect perfection We shouldn't expect perfection from one another. But if we don't live in obedience to Christ, then his words in Matthew 7 that I've just read should be enough to make us question whether we have really experienced the saving power of Jesus in our lives. And verse 13 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. I want to be really, really clear. If you want to remember one thing from today, remember this. There is a day coming when Christ will return. We don't know when. We don't need to get caught up in speculation. But instead, we must live in a way which means if Christ returns tomorrow, he would find our lamps burning brightly as we live lives of obedience. Today, are you covered by the grace of Jesus? If you are, then this marriage is something that you can eagerly look forward to. We don't need to doubt whether we will be there or not. Another writer, Charles Spurgeon, he writes about this moment and he says this. All the demands of divine justice will be fully met by the fact that we go in with him. We are covered with his righteousness, this is Jesus. We are adorned with his beauties, inseparably united to his person, the beloved of his heart. We shall go in with him into this marriage and none will think of needing to have us excluded. There is a moment coming when we will enter in because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And that moment should make us live with intentionality. We should live in a way which honors God, that shows light to those around us. And for many of us, this is a call to live lives of purity. I don't want to be found to be someone who is lukewarm. I don't want this community to be a community which is lukewarm. Let's show our obedience to Christ for our desire for his presence, through our commitment to prayer, through our deep love of scripture, through our pursuit of unity and togetherness, through our love for the lost. If Jesus was to walk into this community, I want him to say, wow, they are on fire for me. May Jesus find us to be a body burning brightly. And if you're here and you don't know whether you are going to be, when you die, whether you're going to be at that wedding, then today you have an opportunity to follow Jesus, to accept that what Jesus did on the cross was for you, to choose to turn from your old life and to follow him. You have an opportunity today to make sure you can live with confidence of what is to come.
You know, for others, we've just, we've walked away from God. You know that your lamp is not burning brightly. You know that if Jesus came today, you will be trying to hide areas of your life from him. Today, you have this opportunity to come back to him. I love that moment in the, the story of the prodigal son, where the son goes off and he makes an absolute mess of his life. And then he turns to go back home. And in that moment that he turns, God is there. The Father, the Heavenly Father is there to meet him. And it's a beautiful moment and that's what God wants to do with some of us today. You know you've not been living lives that honor him and today he is he's there waiting, waiting for you to turn back home. And finally, for some of you, some of us, we've been living the Christian life as I described earlier that I found myself in. I was doing all the right things but I knew that my heart was far from God. You might have been around church and Christians for maybe even for years but right now, the Holy Spirit is at work and he's opening your eyes to the fact that you have never truly followed Jesus. You don't need to feel shame for that. There's no condemnation. There's no tutting. God is just delighted that you've realized that because he wants to transform your life as you choose to follow him. This wedding feast is being prepared. The, the bridegroom is ready. Will we enjoy this eternal marriage to come? I wonder if the band could join me. I wonder if we could stand together. There is this moment, there's this moment to come and as a church, I want us to live with eternity in mind. It's so easy to get caught up in all the stuff that's going on in life. And God wants us to be present and God wants us to be faithful. But he wants us to live with this eternity in mind which changes how we live. It changes how we, we act. And to do that, we just need, to, we need a close, personal relationship with Jesus. And that's what he's calling many of us to today. It's to recommit again to Jesus. It's maybe to commit to him for the first time. To say, I want to live a life of purity. I want to, when I read scripture, I want that to talk about my life. <laughs> I want to be able to come, as Paul said, you know, if you want to follow Christ, follow my example. I want to live like that. I know so often I miss the mark. But as a church, we are called to be a light to this city, to this region, to the nations. And we will only find that <laughs> through closeness with Jesus, from being in God's presence, from experiencing saving grace in our lives. And so right now, we're just gonna respond by singing a song.